and welcome back to Basic Bible 101. Today's lesson covers, uh, well, picks up a little bit with Elijah. If you remember, Elijah was the prophet that was uh, the one that caused King Ahab such um, frustration because he stopped it from raining for three years and then had the big showdown on Mount Carmel with the uh, prophets of Baal. And so uh, he had was actually one of the great uh, prophets of the Old Testament. We will cover more about the rest of the prophets in a few weeks, but today I want to talk about Elijah's protege, the one who directly followed him, and his name was Elisha. The reason, the whole comparison between Elijah and Elisha, and I know they sound very familiar, one is E-L-I-J-A-H, and the other one is E-L-I-S-H-A. And so the the second one, Elisha, is much uh, more of a, cultured prophet, I guess you would say. The, Elijah was the one who would live out in the desert and eat locusts and honey and just a really rough guy. Whereas Elisha was familiar with being in the king's court. And so he, he was quite a different prophet. And yet they were very close. Uh, originally, Elijah had, after his uh, time in the desert, if you recall last uh, time we met, uh, Elijah had been in the desert and the ravens had fed him and he was exhausted. And then God had said, go up to the mountain, I'm going to speak to you. And he did, and he waited through all the fire and the earthquake and the storm. And finally, God speaks to him in a still, small voice. And he reminds him that he's not the only one. There there are many believers in, in the true God who have yet to bow down to Baal. And he tells him at that point, I want you to go and find Elisha and uh, bring him along with you. Basically, kind of anoint him as your protege. And so we start with 1 Kings in in chapter 19. We're going to see the interaction between Elijah and Elisha. Now, if you remember, Elijah performed quite a bit of interesting uh, miracles. He had laid down on the body of the small child and the body came back alive. And he had um, prayed that there would be no rain for three years and that happened. And he had provided... uh, food for the widow and her son uh, so that the widow's barrel was never empty. You're going to see some very similar uh, miracles performed by Elisha. Okay, let's look in 1 Kings 19, and we are going to start with verse 19. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was uh, plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the twelfth pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Okay, you're probably thinking, well, that's kind of odd. Did he think he was cold? (laughs) But that was a symbol of throwing your cloak over someone, of uh, taking them under your wing, as we might call today. Elijah then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? Elijah is basically saying, if you're not ready to go, don't go. So Elijah le- Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen, slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and become his attendant. 
This act of burning the plowing equipment was Elisha's way of knowing that there was no turning back. Uh, in the New Testament, we'll see in Luke 9, 57 through 62, Jesus uses a very similar um, example of uh, once you know if once you put your hand forth to follow me there's no turning back so we see here that Elisha is willing to follow Elijah and and go where where God commands him to go the end of 1st Kings talks about a skirmish that Ahab has with um, an, one of the warring tribes near them uh, Aram is the name of the tribe that's after them and so we see a little skirmish there I would encourage you to go ahead and read that if you're interested in there's some little neat details about how God worked um, and finished up uh, Ahab's reign which um, remember was quite an evil one and so we're going to turn now to second Kings and at this point I'm going to stay with the story of Elijah and Elisha for just a little bit but there are some other kings involved here and so as you're looking through your list of the kings and kind of trying to figure out who was who when, you will be able to see which prophet, which one of these prophets was pri uh, the primary um, focus during that particular king's reign. In 2 Kings chapter 2, we see that Elijah and Elisha are walking around and on this day, there several other prophets come about uh, in their pathway. And each one of them get Elisha on the side and say, you do know that today's the day that God is going to take Elijah from the earth. And Elisha says, yes, I know this. And so it's confirmed several times that this is the day that Elijah will die. Um, although I use the phrase die lightly because as we see, you've heard of chariots of fire. Well, that's what happens with Elijah. A chariot of fire swoops down and takes, uh, whisks Elijah off to heaven. But before this happens, we see that Elijah and Elisha are walking along. And Elijah says to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha replies, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. Elijah says, you have asked a difficult thing, yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours, otherwise not. So they're walking along and this chariot of fire comes and swoops up Elijah. This is in the middle of chapter 2 of Second Kings. And so Elisha is the, um, inher inherits a good portion, a double portion of Elijah's power. In the process of this chariot swooping down, Elijah's cloak falls to the ground, and so Elisha picks it up. Um, as about this time, some of the other prophets from Jericho see it as well, and so they say the spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And so they bow before him on the ground and say, uh, We are your servants. Uh, we have 50 able men. I'll let them go and look for your master. Perhaps the spirit of the Lord dropped him somewhere. Elisha knows that that's not what happened, that Elijah has gone to heaven. But yet he tries to argue with them and they still want to go. So he says, go. In the process, they go come across this town that has a well that's not producing good water anymore. It's bad. And so Elisha uses a little trick of uh, taking a bowl and putting some salt in it, mixing it up, and prays over it and puts it into the well and the water is, is um, made 
fresh and good. We also see that it, towards the end of chapter 2, Elisha's walking along and there's a couple of teenagers that are kind of joking because he has a bald head and Elisha turns around to them and curses them. And then two bears come out of the woods and maul these youth. So it's qu kind of amazing. I guess you really do not want to speak against God's anointed, which we see in other places in scripture as well. Okay, so Elisha then continues from here, and the, what's happened is that there's been this war against Moab in chapter 3, and Jehoshaphat, who's the king of Judah at this time, he joins forces with Joram, who is Ahab's son, who's now taken over the kingdom, the northern kingdom, and they decide that they will fight Moab. But first Jehoshaphat wants to make sure that they are doing what the Lord wants them to. And so he requests that they um, consult a prophet. And Joram decides that he will call forth Elisha. Even though they haven't had a lot of luck with Elijah or Elisha in positive prophesying. And when they do, Elisha says, here's what you need to do. You need to dig ditches and, you, and the Lord will fight the battle for you. So during the night, the ditches fill up with water, and the opposing uh, tribe uh, comes out and sees all of this um, water, only they don't see it as water because it's so early in the morning that the sun's low, and it's kind of got that golden tinge to it, kind of reddish tint, and so all of the water looks like it's blood. So the king of Moab assumes that the battle's already been fought, and that they had lost. That was all blood that was splattered around on the ground. And so the Israelites chase after Moab as they see them running and they win the victory. Now in chapter 4 we see that uh, a wife of one of the prophets came to Elisha and said my husband is dead and my son and I or my two boys are um, going to be taken away as slaves because we can't afford to pay our bills. Can you help us? And Elijah said um, well, what do you have? And she says, well, I have a little bit of oil. Other than that, I have nothing. And he says, well, go get the oil that you have, but collect as many jars as you can. And so she does. She borrows some of her neighbors. She just draws as many jars as she can get. And so Elisha tells her to begin filling the jars with the oil that she has. And as she does, the oil just keeps pouring and pouring and pouring. And she fills up all the jars that she has and could probably have filled up more, but that's all that she had. And so Elisha tells her, go and take this oil and sell it and pay your debts. Can you see how similar this is to what Elijah did with the widow and her son, um, where they didn't run about out of uh, food the entire time that there was famine in the land? Okay, the remainder of chapter 4 tells us two more miracles that Elijah has done. Uh, purifies some poisonous stew. Uh, he also heals a man. Um, who has leprosy. And so you, I would encourage you to read on about uh, the rest of Second uh, Kings 4 and 5. Turn to Second Kings 6 and we will look at one last story about Elisha. Once again we find Israel at war with one of their neighboring tribes, the Armenians. And while they're kind of scuffling back and forth, the Armenians tend to got the upper hand. But because the Lord was working through Elisha, he would send word to the king of Israel and say, here's what's, what's going to happen next. And so Israel managed to stay one step ahead of their enemies.
Now this outraged the king of Aram, and he just wanted to know, okay, who is the double agent, spy, whatever, that it keeps telling Israel what's going on? And they say, it's none of us, Lord. It's that Elijah, the prophet. He just seems to know what you whisper in your very bedroom. So the king orders them to find him. Let's read this part in Second Kings chapter 6, starting with verse uh, 15. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. O oh my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who were with us are more, are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes so he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came toward him, Elisha prayed, Strike the people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness, as Elisha had asked. Elisha told them, This is not the road, and this is not the city. Follow me, and I will lead you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to Samaria. After they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these people so they can see. Then the Lord opened their eyes, and they looked, and they were there inside Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elisha, Shall I kill them, my father? Shall I kill them? Do not kill them, he answered. Would you kill men? you have captured with your own sword or bow. Set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. So Elisha is kind to these uh, soldiers who have come to kill him and yet he escapes very easily. Well, it isn't very long before the king of Aram figures out, okay, I guess Elisha is in Samaria and he heads that direction and he surrounds the city and so what happens is it's basically like an embargo they can't get any food in or out of the city and so a period of time over a period of time the the people that live in the city begin to starve they can't buy any food they can't get in or out and so the king is just so upset by this the king of Samaria and the the people keep clamoring to him, we need to do something, we're going to die inside this um, city. So the king is frustrated and he really does blame it on Elisha and he just decides, okay, I'm going to have his head because he has just caused us so much trouble. But when the messenger gets there, Elisha says, hear the word of the Lord, this is what the Lord says, about this time tomorrow, a shea of flour will sell for a shekel and two shays of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. So basically he's saying, you're not going to have any trouble tomorrow, there's going to be abundance. And of course they can't really believe it because they say, no, we have no food, we have nothing, how can that possibly be? So they don't really have a lot of faith in what Elisha has said. Yet there were a couple of guys with leprosy, and if you remember, leprosy was that dreaded disease where if you touch someone, you could catch it very easily and your skin would fall off and you would all of your um, nerves would be numbed and so you would hurt yourself and not even realize it. So there were a couple of men, actually there were four of them with leprosy, and they decided, you know what, we have nothing to lose. We're just going to go out to the army of Aram and maybe they'll go ahead and give us some food. So they head on out there, and they're kind of afraid, so they hide. And at dusk they got up and went to the camp of the Armenians, and when they reached the edge of the camp, not a man was there. For the Lord had caused the Armenians to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army. So they said to one another, Look, the, Ar the king of Israel has hired the Hittites and the Egyptian kings to attack us. So they got up and ran off. And when they did, they left all of their food, all of their 
silver, gold, clothes, everything. And so these four uh, lepers sat there and had a great feast and were really enjoying this. And then finally a little bit of guilt starts to creep up on them. And they say, you know, we really should tell everybody else back in Samaria. So they go back and they say, uh, hey, the Armenians have fled. They left everything. And so come on out. So naturally, the people of Samaria were a little bit... Uh, suspicious and so they sent out sort of like a little war party to go out and check things out and they went down the road as far as they could and realized that they would see uh, examples of where the Armenians had just dropped their clothes or whatever because they were in such a hurry to get out of there and so they came back and they said sure enough they've left and so the people in Samaria went and just got all of the food and clothing and all the spoils of war without even having to fight. And so sure enough, what Elijah had prophesied had actually happened. Okay, there's just a couple more stories about Elisha. We won't cover them, but feel free to go ahead and read the rest of this book of Second Kings. Some things I'd like you to remember from today's lesson is that there are times when we can't see what's happening in the spiritual realm. And we have to pray that God would open our eyes so that we wouldn't be afraid. And he will show us his forces um, at work behind the scenes. Uh, there are times when we have to just trust that God will take care of us. And when uh, God promises, hey, I'm going to take care of you by tomorrow, this is and this will be done, that we can say, yes, I can trust God and he will do it. Um, some other things to remember about this is that when Elisha was asked to follow Elijah, he burned the plow, sacrificed the oxen, and he went. And that's a very good example of our willingness to follow God 100%, to just say, okay, God, whatever you ask, and not turn back. That will conclude our lesson about Elisha. Be sure and read the rest of Second Kings, and you'll get a little bit more example of what was going on during this time with the rest of the kings. As you noticed, we did not really cover the details of every single king. Most of them are covered in sometimes as short as just a few verses and sometimes just a chapter. So if you continue to read the rest of Second Kings, you'll certainly see that. Um, Elisha was the prophet during the time when in Judah we have the kings Ahaz and uh, and actually a queen for seven years they had a queen Queen Athalia and then in the in the northern kingdom in Israel you have Jehu uh, he was very similar to Ahab and uh, he, he was interested in restoring Israel but he really cared little for their spiritual condition so and then um, after his 28 year reign then there was um, Jehoahaz I guess for 17 years so these are the the kings that were there during the time of Elisha. Just to finish up a little bit about the kings, there for after this, uh, it, it just pretty well goes downhill. Um, each of the kings just seem to be worse than the ones before them. Uh, there's a couple of notable exceptions. For Judah, there is a young king, he's just a young man, who um, he's a good king, his name is Joash. He uh, begins to bring about restoration to the temple and turns the heart, people's hearts back to God. But again, the country eventually fell back into uh, idol worship. He is the king about the time of Zechariah. And so if as you're reading through this, you will see that Zechariah is uh, one of the prophets to the uh, southern kingdom or Judah. Um, 
But most of the prophets we have talked about have been to the northern king to Israel. Uh, about the time that Joash is finishing up, we have in the north in the yeah northern kingdom, we have uh, the prophet Jonah. Jonah, the one that was swallowed by a whale, and we will cover that story in a few weeks as well. Uh, but just finishing up the kings, they like I said, it pretty well goes from bad to worse. Uh, the northern kings eventually are completely overthrown with the last king being a king Hosea nothing to do with the prophet Hosea and uh, eventually he turns to Egypt for help and Egypt abandons him and so he's conquered by Syria and if you will look in your maps you will see that Syria swoops down and takes over the northern kingdom so that Israel is no longer divided. It's just Judah because the top of Israel, the northern kingdom, has been taken over by Syria. So it's not very many more years, just a few, maybe 60, 70 more years before the southern kingdom falls as well. There is one king, notable king, King Hezekiah, and we will cover more about him when we talk about Isaiah in a few weeks, uh, the prophet Isaiah. But for next week, um, I would like you to go ahead and begin reading the book of Job. I realize that that's a little bit out of sequence because we've been trying to keep everything chronological. And we think that the book of Job actually probably took place back during the time of the judges. But we are going to cover it next week just so that we can make sure that we did cover it. Uh, The list of the kings and who was prophet during which king and all that can be found in your student workbooks page 46 or if you have the student Bible it's also in the back of the student Bible there's a list of who was the king during the uh, in the north while someone who else was in the south and then who was the prophets to the north or to the southern kingdoms and then shortly after well once we finish the story of Job, which is a great story. I think you'll enjoy it. Then we will get back into our story of the prophets, beginning with Jonah. Okay, so for next week, go ahead and read the first several chapters of Job. And then again, you may want to go ahead and read the last four or five chapters as well. I think that you'll find them very interesting, particularly the first chapter because it's going to talk about Satan and the angels and going before God. And so it's the first time we've really been introduced to what's going on in heaven as um, with such detail. So remember, you can always check out more information on uh, www.basicbible101.com. And until next week, thanks for listening.